2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of
0: BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.TV or check them on
2: Twitter at Clip it TV. You're listening to BGN Radio. Wentz
0: and the shotgun. Wentz with a commanding presence. Back. Here comes the rush, he steps up, and fires on the run, complete to Erks across midfield. Look at that kid. Ertz got out, of, came across the field and there was great movement by Wentz and he threw a dart. He threw a dart. Oh, what's going on, the leading green nation? It is episode number 234 of the BGN Radio podcast, and wherever you are listening, we thank you for tuning in on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, or if you're listening to us creepily through uh, the spy microphones, as you always do, thank you wherever you are listening out there. But if you can, rate, subscribe, and review wherever you are listening to us. The five-star reviews do go a very, very long way. And, of course, the patreon.com slash BGN Radio for added bonuses, including... Lots of background stuff from this week. That's as we're doing it. So we had, uh, I think, there's been a couple appearances on on television that we filmed a little behind the scenes. Of. We had Howie and uh, and Joe were talking today. We filmed a little bit of that too, and just the overall jargon uh, that is happening. Teron Davenport from Eagleswire.com dot com is here with us. Teron, what's going on tonight, sir? How are you?
3: What's going on? A beautiful day. Hey, man, I got an opportunity to walk up there to the uh, the draft. Go setup. to the parkway. It's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. So. I'm kind of fired up about that, so definitely uh,
0: <laughs> you know, feeling good, man. Feeling we're good. we're a week away. I can almost feel the feel the finish line a little bit, and I know one man that is dying to make that happen—to come back to New York or from New York, I should say. Uh, and we have to get a selfie, I think, of Carson and him together. We're going
2: to try and make that
0: happen. Lead draft writer for Bleeding Green Nation, Mister Bendatton. What is happening, <laughs> sir?
2: Uh, not much, dude. The school is winding down. I'm, I'm really excited for next week. I'm really excited for the draft. Like everything's kind of culminating nicely in terms of the school year and then the, just the draft happening. So I'm ready <laughs> yeah. and I need that selfie. I need that selfie because yes. that is just, that is peak. That'd be peak for me. That'd be great. Yeah. Cause
0: then we can, maybe we can add that onto the, I hate Benetton t-shirts and just make some, oh, you know, the ginger t-shirt. That would be phenomenal. Uh, moving oh, on for, through there. So uh, we've got a we got a jam-packed show, folks, and uh, we got a lot of guests and interesting people to talk to. Uh, the first that you're going to hear is, of course, the super agent himself, Mr. Lee Steinberg, who uh, repped a Pax and Lynch last year. He's repping Pat Mahomes, uh, Jamal Williams, uh, and some other notable names uh, this year. Excuse me as I catch my breath. Uh, we're going to sit down and talk to him a little bit and get his thoughts on what this process is like during this week is everybody's kind of a week away here, too. Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan will join us. He's going to break down some of the the running back class uh, along with us and get into some Reuben Foster talk, as I'm sure we'll be doing before we even get into that as well. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Teron and Ben sat down with Traven. Is it Durrell or Durrell? D- Durrell. Dur- Durell, Durell, yeah. See, it's, yeah. it sounds like it's spelled like Durell, but it's a, It sounds yeah. like, sounds like Durrell. He is a wide receiver from LSU, and it is very interesting how that offense has been working and how most of the time it kind of it doesn't quite shine uh, for the wide receiver play that's happening there. So we'll ask him a, a couple of questions uh, as well. So we got a lot of people to talk, a lot of football, but let's start right here as. Uh, you know the NFL requires teams to come out and say do a little jangly who and say hello for the press conference. I thought it was a little interesting today. Uh, me and Teron were down there just to kind of go in and check it out, and uh, it was interesting. They packed, they packed everybody into this very small space, and you could uh, you could you know allow, allow cameras in there for the first fifteen minutes, and then it was kind of nice. Then uh, then Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman sat down on a little fireside chat. Uh, with some comfortable chairs, and everybody was just asking him questions. To run any any first impressions that you got out of that press conference today?
3: Well, one of the things I really liked was just the the relationship that Howie and, and Joe seem to have, like they're homies in addition to coworkers. So you like to see that you like to see that that synergy going there. So I, I think it's going to result in some good things, you know, in in the draft. But I, I really liked how they talked about OJ Howard. They talked mm-hmm. about McCaffrey. They talked about you know, Joe Mixon, so there were different things that they were open and up front about. I really think it's gonna be best player available. That's one of the things I pulled. So no matter who's there, I, I think if they're the best player bar quarterback, they, they're they're gonna definitely be in consideration.
0: Yeah, and I I'm right there with you. I mean it sounded it sounded very genuine. Like there wasn't any trying to be like flubbing going around. There was there was a nice rapport there. I bet it is their first year together and I'm sure that a lot of people are listening to this going, Oh, you guys Bought into that fodder? No, they they generally look like they they got along there. I, I, and I, again, the other thing that I took away from that is I don't think Joe Mixon is off their draft board. Uh, and if and if it is, they're doing a very fantastic job of hiding that fact for I don't know a, a trade value that's that's happening later on. I don't, I don't really see the the point of, of doing that, especially if the, you know because it doesn't sound like he's in that much of a demand. So uh, I I don't we're, understand where that narrative kind of popped up, but. Uh, regardless, the other thing that I took away was just, you know, Joe Douglas saying that, and again, it's a little bit of GM speak here. It's nothing really new, but he designs his board, not by round by round, which I think a lot of people have in their heads when they're talking about this thing, but whatever, whatever fits the Eagles. So I, it's, uh, there was some good comments in there and I, I don't know, Ben, did that, did anything you took away from, from any of that kind of make you feel at least a little more confident ha- heading in as we're just a week away here or does it not change your mind at all?
2: Well I mean the confidence would just be in the fact that I am like hoping that they do go best player available and Joe Douglas's record speaks for itself in terms of talent evaluation but I mean we all we were all freaking out earlier this week about <laughs> uh about Charles Harris like absolutely being the pick and there are some people who are strongly strongly saying that, that I mean that's the case and like from an evaluation standpoint I mean that makes me a little bit uncomfortable just because I don't I mean that's like you know, I've been saying for months that you know, there it's going to be really hard for the Eagles to screw up the 14th pick in this draft because this draft is so deep with talent, especially at the positions that they need guys at. Um, but then Charles Harris would be like, like I said earlier this week, it'd be like going to the Ben and Jerry's factory and getting vanilla ice cream. It just doesn't
0: <laughs> and water, which I which I very and, enjoyed and,
2: and water exactly. So it's just like. That that wouldn't be what what I'm here for. But if they're if they're genuinely going into it, you know, saying best player available, like if it's Christian McCaffrey, like we're gonna get J- Christian McCaffrey. If it's John Ross, we're gonna get John Ross. Um, if it's OJ Howard, I mean, regardless, I mean, this team needs playmakers on offense, and this this team needs cornerbacks on defense, and I think that should be really the priority. Um, it, and so, it, I mean, if if you if you are telling me that you're you're buying into Howie. And, you know, and I mean, you and I are both pretty critical of Howie. So if uh-huh. you're buying in, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'll trust you on that.
0: Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm buying in, but I, 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 it's the relationship at least that they have. I still want to see them draft. <laughs> Obviously that's what we're all dying to, dying to get right. to there, but uh, we, we will, we will see. I mean, it's just, at least there, it seems like they're working well together. Hopefully that lasts more uh than than a year. Uh there are some things that are happening tonight as well as the schedule release is happening. And in fact, uh it just popped out as we're recording this. We are not going to do the lame ass uh, win-loss prediction thing. If anything, we'll do that in July when there's a draft that has happened and some OTAs and we get a chance to look at some of the rookies and then maybe we can feel a little bit more confident. I want to see at least one pass from Wentz to Jeffrey before we do any of that stuff, regardless of what's happening with the draft. But here is your Eagles schedule. This is brand new. We haven't looked at this before. Um, and this was reported by Adam Kaplan, so no no surprises here. In Week 1, the Eagles will be at the Redskins uh, then week two they they're on the road for two weeks, so their home opener isn't until week three of uh, of the uh, of the NFL season, which is a humongous problem. Has that ever happened before? Speaking of which, I'm kind of a little pissed off right now, to be honest. We have to wait three weeks before there's a home opener here. I hate that. But they go see our our old uh, friend Andy Reid at the Chiefs week two. The home opener is against the Giants. Then they go out to Los Angeles on October first. Uh, so uh some of the, whoever leaked it out leaked it out improperly uh because I thought that was a little closer to that. Oh no, they didn't. That's that's correct. So they're going they're going to LA October 1st uh the Cardinals come home uh, then on week 4 uh then it's at the Panthers Redskins at home uh the 49ers Broncos the bye comes in week 9 I believe if I'm counting correctly at the Cowboys uh uh week 10 the Bears, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Giants, and they finish up with the Raiders and Cowboys at home. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, like just just looking at it from uh, from afar here, Ben. I don't really see. Uh, again, there's no drafters, no anything. It doesn't look like it's a, a a terrible schedule. The only thing that is bothering the shit out of me is one the uh, the non home opener for three weeks, and then there's there's three away games in a row at the tail end of the season, and that's against the Seahawks, the Rams. And the Giants. Uh any any impressions with that, Ben <laughs> we're just rattling off the the uh the uh, the weeks here.
2: Um well first of all the team of Eagles are going sixteen and oh. Obviously. Uh and hmm. second, um second, it's a little bit peculiar that they're doing the I mean, weren't weren't they petitioning to get chargers and rams next to each other so they wouldn't have to leave la <laughs>
0: yeah well that didn't happen
2: but at mean, all now they're going, I, they're going to they're doing this like all the way west coast thing twice i i um, think
3: i think that's a good thing though either way they're gonna have to go west coast twice you know whether it be la back to back but and then seattle I, they still you know you, you got the the game in seattle so you get to here, here's the thing i don't know that i would want my guys in la for a week straight man You know, that's a lot of distractions. Obviously, you you try to control things and keep them within the building or or whatever. But I think the way that it's set up is really good. You know, especially, man, I I tell you, you know Seattle. That's a physical team. So, you know, they'll be able to kind of rebound a little bit quicker rather than have to put their, you know, beat up bodies on a plane to fly those seven hours back here after that game.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. So hopefully uh, the only other thing that I see on here is obviously the Raiders game is on Christmas a Monday night game uh, there at Week 16. So hopefully uh, for everyone that's covering the game and everyone that's going to be there, eh, maybe that will decide whether or not they make the playoffs. Hopefully they're in the hunt uh, by then. And uh, hopefully there's a, there's a lot of draft picks from our next guest that are in the hunt and are all over the NFL because he is one of the most entertaining folks you can talk to. He's been in – he's repped pretty much everybody. Troy Aikman, he's repped uh, – Steve Young, all the big time quarterbacks, millions of clients, and has had a, basically, as as everybody knows, the he's he's been the guy that was uh, was uh, the, the basis for Jerry Maguire. At least he was he was there on the uh, there on set. He was he was the main kind of talk to, and we're so happy he's joining us on BGN Radio uh, this week. It is Mr. Lee Steinberg. Lee, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing just peachy.
0: <laughs> I, I bet you are, and I. And I this is, I guess, how how does this week go for you? Is, it, is, it, is this week more stressful than actual draft week that's happening right now?
1: Well, it's actually frenetic because the last part of scouting is occurring. So a player like Patrick Mahomes had an actual visit to a team today. Uh, we're just getting to the end. We're in the phase where teams can invite as many as 30 players to their franchise. They can't work them out but they can visit with them. They can go on the chalkboard with them. Um, They've already come through the phase where they have gone back to college campuses and done physical workouts. And we've come through pro scouting days and the combine. So this is the very end, but this is when teams are doing their final draft board. So it's a critical phase.
0: Absolutely. And and so what happens then the next week for you, what becomes the biggest part of your job next week?
1: So the, key is to make sure that with each of our draftees there are no misimpressions among teams. There's nothing in terms of character or background, there's nothing in terms of injury, there's nothing uh in in any way that a team might have doubts or suspicions about that we haven't answered. And to uh make sure that that the best aspect and projection of a player is is present in each team. The goal is to have a player and his family sit there on draft night knowing every possible thing was done to get them drafted high and have peace of mind. So um, you're looking for everything that, that could occur on, on draft night, every unanswered question, every doubt, every clarification, um, every perspective, possible injury or or concern a team would have.
0: And and Lee, do you have, I mean, during that process, even if it's a day out, maybe if it's 12 hours out or anything like that, do you have coaches or GMs or anybody contacting you at that point? Or is it pretty much they have all the information that they're going to go with and, and that's that's how it is? No,
1: no, there's a fair degree of interaction that continues to the uh, very end. Um, I mean, this is the process that for a general manager can either build his reputation and long-term future or completely undo him. So they're, um, checking on every last situation. And in the case of a player who might be highly drafted, um, they're trying to get as much information as they can about where he might be taken. Um, as you know, Multitudinous numbers of trades occur on draft night. Um, there's a generalized amnesty for lying among team executives this last week. Yes. So if a uh, executive uh, went up uh, to heaven on his last uh, day on Earth and visited with St. Peter, St. Peter asked him, what's the most egregious sin you committed in your life? And he said, well, I lied to the public about who we were going to take in the draft. St. Peter would say, come right in um uh, no problem, <laughs> so uh the truth is there's so much misinformation flooding around about team <laughs> intentions at this point, it's really um hard to make sense of it yeah,
0: and it's uh that's kind of kind of where we're at as football fans as well because we don't know what what's smoke and what's fire, and that's how you kind of have to sort all that stuff out too but i I see that in the in the past you know two years here, you've kind of had you've had a little bit of affinity towards the quarterbacks here you've gone with Paxton Lynch and uh, obviously got him drafted in the first round. You're doing some uh, incredible things with Vince Young here and trying to re- restart his career. What was your attraction to, I guess, Patrick Mahomes and, and a guy of, of that caliber?
1: Well, first of all, the quarterback position over the last 40 years, whether it was Steve Bartkowski or Warren Moon or Troy Aikman or Steve Young or Ben Roethlisberger, the league has become so quarterback-centric that it's really impossible to get to the Super Bowl without a franchise quarterback, someone you can win because of rather than with, someone you can build a team around for 10 to 12 years, and critically someone who in in the most important situations can elevate their level of play in adversity to take a team uh, on his back. So that position is key. Patrick Mahomes comes from an athletic background with a father who pitched in the majors for 11 years. Um, A godfather, LaTroy Hawkins, who pitched for 20 years, he understands the athletic um, ethic and what the discipline is. Um, He's got passion towards the game. His arm is ridiculously strong. Yesterday at the NFL Network, he and David Carr did a competition to see who could throw with the most velocity. And uh, Patrick was there in street shoes and and uh, regular clothes and we didn't want him to throw his arm up but he threw 62 miles an hour. Um, he's got a ridiculously strong arm and tremendous touch. Um, he's very bright. He uh, has the ability to get outside the pocket and throw on the run. He is a fiery leader. Um, he's someone that his teammates adore. And we just thought he was the best quarterback uh, in the draft. You're looking to project him forward. You always have a knock anytime a quarterback's been in the spread offense uh, as to how they're going to adjust in the pros. But two-thirds of the offenses at the collegiate level or something like that are spread offenses. So this is, uh, whether it's Marcus Mariota or Jared Goff, uh, you know, Paxton last year, I mean, this is the norm. And, uh, I think that Patrick showed between the combine, uh, and pro scouting day an enormous, uh, ability to learn in terms of three, five, seven step drops and being under center.
0: Absolutely. So if, if, if your gut feeling is, do you think he goes in the top 10?
1: Um, I'm not sure top 10, I think he goes in the top half of the first round and then it just depends on teams and, and how they move around. But, um, He's someone that you could be comfortable, um, you know, projecting as your leader into the future. He's got a ridiculous high side uh, to him. And uh, um, so you've got two groups of teams in the draft. You have teams that are looking for a starter right away, you know, the Clevelands and San Francisco's and maybe the New York Jets. And then you have teams that have an existing starter who's aging and so that's like New Orleans and Arizona and Kansas City and the New York Giants and the Chargers, who want to have that player in place um, for the transition.
0: Excellent. And uh, yeah, well, we're I'm, we're all excited to kind of see where he ends up uh, landing out, even though we're in Philadelphia here. And just uh, wanted to get your thoughts on a couple more things. And of course, I want to just uh, touch on on your on your guy Jamal Williams as well, because we're a big fan of him. I know me and Tehran are. Uh, but we, let's just say. You had a client like Joe Mixon. That's been a humongous you know, storyline for, for the past couple of weeks here. How, how do you handle something like that if, if you're his agent?
1: So the issue is character. And what teams really care about is if they're going to lay out an enormous signing bonus, is the player going to be capable of staying on the field and fulfilling the contract? So the question is, is there a likelihood or a chance that that player is going to violate rules, use substances, uh, get involved in off-the-field behavior that's somehow going to get him suspended or even worse, kicked out of the league? So extraordinary amounts of money are being spent on background security now to go back all the way till players are in uh, elementary school to to look at that. So your question is going to be, if you had a player in that category, could you find a psychiatrist? Could you find a number of people who were willing to vouch for him, who were willing to say what happened in the past was aberrational, what happened in the past he learned from, what happened was a uh, an event that allowed maturation to occur. So um, in that case, it was particularly egregious, but we don't throw young men on a trash heap of history because of one Uh, stupid action when they were young the question is are they going to be a recidivist (laughs) will this happen repetitively is that their base character or was just this just one really unfortunate thing and so you're gonna if i had a player like that you're going to try to establish that he's taken steps to make sure there's not a recurrence that he went to anger management, that he, um, you know, went to classes, that he has a therapist, that he, whatever it is that's going to most assure a team that there's no chance this will happen again.
0: We're talking with uh, Lee Steinberg, of course, and, and I just, as I mentioned, Jamal Williams. Uh, obviously, we're big fans of him here. How did you and, and Jamal get hooked up here?
1: Actually, his uh, uncle called me um, and uh you know, had uh, was was aware of what we've done with players. Our whole philosophy is role modeling a player retracing his roots to the high school, collegiate, and professional communities, setting up scholarship funds, charitable foundations. So it's a certain type of character. Kid, his uncle uh, Luke Neal, who's trained him, was familiar with that and and wanted his uh, nephew to be in that type of program. So that's sort of how we um got together uh, philadelphia obviously has the quarterback they did a very um uh, smart thing in in prioritizing that because it's so hard to win outside so obviously that's not their where they're going to be looking at they've probably solved that for the next 10 or 15 years um boy hope you're right <laughs> yeah oh i look the longest adjustment process and the hardest one fans sometimes don't understand is coming from college quarterbacking to pro quarterbacking and it used to be that you know you'd look at it in three or four years now we look at it in three or four games it just takes time to be able to read the field and um you know quarterbacks who've just sat there like Aaron Rodgers or Carson Palmer behind, uh, or Philip rivers behind a, a talented quarterback and have, have done real well. So to stick the quarterback out there like Carson and then, um, you know, expect him to be hall of fame is just not realistic. So, um, he's going to get much, much better over time and be a premier quarterback. I don't represent him, but I wish I did because he's, uh, he's a big winner, but, uh, Back to Jamal, he's a load, and uh, you know, team's going to get him. He has a great passion for the game. He's um, uh, got a nose for the end zone, um, and uh, you know, he's a raw asset.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're really looking forward to where, where he ends up landing, and hopefully, it's in Philadelphia. And Lee, we we really appreciate the time, my friend. My pleasure. So, some interesting nuggets there, gang. As uh, at least I thought, as we uh, we sat down or- with him earlier this week, but. Uh, how about that? How about, how about, maybe I should bring this up to Emery when we talk to him later, but how about him dropping in, one, well, Mahomes is not going to go in the top 10. I mean, I, I'm sure that wasn't expected anyway, but it's kind of weird to hear that a week out is just like, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. And two, if he wishes that he had Carson Wentz because he, he'd be making money with him for the next 10 to 15 years here Teron. pretty that's a, that's a pretty nice statement, I guess, to say, right?
3: Well, I mean, Carson's a marketable guy. He's a likable guy. And you, you see him, you know, on billboards and things like that. So I'm not mad at him for saying that. And obviously, he went number two. So somebody was doing something right. And, I mean, he, he's the cornerstone of, of Philadelphia football. So I understand what he's saying for sure.
0: <laughs> he's <laughs> got, uh, got red hair, too. I mean, I
2: think that's probably why. It's a bonus why, money uh, right there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Having the red hair in there, absolutely. Well, we're going to go from one guest uh, to another because uh, uh, it's we're we're having a, a great conversation and we want to keep that going here. You may know him as the Czar of the Playbook. I know him as the Carson Wentz hater himself, but that I love dearly. It is Mister Emery Hunt. Emery, what's happening tonight, buddy? <laughs>
4: What's going on, guys? I appreciate you having me on.
0: Uh, Emery does some fantastic work, and of course, he's worked with Toronto a lot too. And if you haven't seen all of his different YouTube videos, whether it's mock drafts or interviewing prospects, this is a great week to go back and find that too. Plus, I know Emery, you've got some stuff where you kind of go by team by team, doing video mocks too, don't you?
4: Absolutely, we we love to utilize our own scouting rankings and boards to try to help you know infuse talent to these rosters, man. Because I, I always feel as though that there's never a down year at the NFL draft or the NFL draft class. And so much talent out there, man, that, you know, if you just listen to major media, you only get 16 prospects. So we, we try to give you at least 500.
0: Wait, you don't like the fire hose of all the ESPN guys that just kind of, you know, <laughs> shoot all that stuff out there?
4: But it's crazy because you, you turn on one of 75 different ESPN shows and all are talking about the same nine prospects. You would think the draft only lasts 10 picks.
3: And that's <laughs> Yeah, right. It, it seems like there's never any rounds after the first round. It's like, all right, you got Thursday, <laughs> then the draft is over and done with. But if you look, most of the strong teams, it's Friday, Friday and Saturday. That's when they they really hit, and that's how you build a strong draft class.
0: Which is funny too, because everybody knows. I mean, for the most part, that's what even even the simplest radio callers would call in. Know that it's just like, well, you got to nail pick <laughs> except for the first round. And yet, we only just like you were saying, Emery, only still talk about the same six guys, especially at fourteen and things like that. I would just want to get your perspective on on what you think is is going to be best for the Eagles at fourteen, and then we'll get into the rest of the class stuff. But what's what's going to help the Eagles the most, in your opinion?
4: I don't think the Eagles are a bad football team, man. I, I don't. I didn't think that last year. I, I like their defense. I like their offensive line. Their running game. You know was having success, whether it was Matthews, Sproles, Smallwood, although he should get more carries. But I think their their offense is, is solid. Now, the receiving core, they obviously addressed that in free agency. So I, I think they can go receiver. They can go running back. Corner is another big one, I think. So, I, I mean, I'm looking at those two starting corners and, and nothing against Jalen Mills or Patrick Robinson, but that's how the Eagles can start down 7 nothing every game. So I think they have to get better there. Uh, in addition to probably getting better at receiver or or maybe adding some youth uh, at running back.
3: And I'm glad you mentioned the running back position because there's always this whole thing that, oh, well, uh, you shouldn't take a running back in the first round because you could get Jordan (laughs) Howard later. What are your (laughs) thoughts on that whole thing? Because I I think it's absurd.
4: You always want to take the best players, man, and you want threats. Can you score or can you take the ball away? And if you're a running back like Jordan Howard for Chicago that's going to get 25 to 30 carries a game, you better get 1,000 yards. So you don't need 65 yards a game. So that's not <laughs> impressive in itself. But if you're a guy, let's say like a Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey, um, a Tyreek Cohen, that can go 80 on any given play, that's the guy you take in the first round. A guy that's going to get your—basically, if we're using corporate America terms, that's going to meet expectations, yes, you can get that guy— in any round but when you get you get the opportunity to get a home run hitter you take those guys early because those guys affect ball games
2: go ahead, yeah ben. and i mean these are volume players too and if you're getting a featured running back on your football team that guy's seeing 20 25 30 touches a game be it in the running game or the passing game so why wouldn't you want you know a leonard fournette or a dalvin cook or christian mccaffrey guys who can maximize every one of those t- those touches because if you give a guy 25 carries and he gets four yards of carry, he's going to get a thousand yards for the season, you know, but I want a guy who can get, you know, six, seven yards of carry, you know, bust those big runs, make uh plays in the passing game, especially with like Dalvin cook and Christian McCaffrey. Like those are first round players. Like it doesn't matter the position they play. They're going to be able to score for your football team. And especially for a team like the Eagles, they need those guys in their backfield.
4: Well, it's, it's like when it's like the theory where if you say it enough, it becomes true. So people hear constantly, oh, don't take a running back in the first round to where they start to believe it until they need a running back and wonder why they can't close out a game or or can't really generate big plays outside of maybe, uh, you know, the passing game. And that's why. When you look at the last, what, eight years, the final four teams in the AFC and NFC championship game all have been in the top tier of the NFL in running the football. So you have to run the football. And if you have one of those guys, the premier guy, that's going to help push you over the top.
0: And I know it's 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 kind of like we always point to the example, and Eagles fans don't want to hear it. But I mean, you just look at the success that Dak and Zeke had, kind of get t- together. And you're, I mean, you're right, man. I mean, that's where. How many games did Zeke close out by himself just in the regular season? Like he did that a handful of times. The Pittsburgh game sticks out to me uh, immediately. Like you, you absolutely need those quality runners. And and I, I, you know, I get the impression that I don't think the Eagles are are shying away from that. I know that there's been a a couple of narratives that are saying, like, hey, they're they're not going to go in the first round. But Joe Douglas even said today, as we had mentioned before, like, you know, they're, he, it's just how the board kind of fell in his past drafts in, in Baltimore and Chicago and a lot of that stuff. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how this kind of shakes out uh, with that class. Oh, and the Ruben Foster talk heated up again today, Emery, because obviously there's you know, it's some cloudy pee-pee, you know, <laughs> whatever's happening. There. I don't know why it decided – I mean, like – by the way, they were a, a minute away from having it at 420-420. I, I don't know why Ian Rappaport just didn't wait for that exact moment <laughs> to to get all those things out there, but I don't know. There's a, it, there's a large discussion on whether this affects his draft stock or not, Emory, and I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it.
4: Here's the thing, man, and I've always been on record for saying this, but I'll say it again. If Lawrence Taylor was, was doing what Lawrence Taylor did <laughs> as a New York Giant and was on Coke, and we need to get him some more coke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But I look at Ruben Foster and I think, like, man, when you go back and watch his high school film, I remember we put together a football game playing all-American team, high school team, and Ruben Foster was on the first team. And we were just laughing in between segments like, by goodness, every time this guy touches the ball carrier, they go down. There's no extra yards at all. And we were just waiting for him to finally get to start at Alabama. And I think we missed out on probably three years of Ruben Foster excellence because he was behind C.J. Mosley and Reggie Ragland when he is, in my opinion, the better linebacker out of those three. So I'm not worried about the the cloudy urine or what have you. I'm not worried about that. I think this guy plays the linebacker position like you're supposed to play it. He strikes fear in the hearts of running backs like myself. He strikes fear in the hearts of receivers running those shallow cross routes. And if you're, blitz, and if you're blitzing him, the quarterback will, again, try to get rid of that football real quick and dump it off because Foster has that type of impact. If Terry Tate, office linebacker, was a foot, a real football player, he would be moving Foster.
3: Yeah, and you know, it's funny you mention that about that shallow cross because when you have a shark like that lurking the waters right there, you always, I know, man, it, you, you are aware that he's in that area and he may stop you from flying through. You know, passing through that, that zone to the next window because you know that he's lurking there. You know, he he's going to be someone that will have an impact, obviously, in the running game. But you look at his cover skills, too. Those are there. And that's why when I look at him, I see a lot of similarities to a guy like a Bobby Wagner. You, you know, everybody talks to the Luke Keekly part, but I think he's more similar to Wagner. Are there any particular players or linebackers that you kind of would, would put him in the mold of?
4: I think he's a cross between both those guys. You know, I like his inter- intellect. So he understands schematically what an offense is trying to do. And athletically, he can do everything. He can drop and zone. He, he's not awkward in space. He can run man to man, like you talked about. His blitzing skills, I think, are very underrated because mm-hmm. he can get from point A to point B. So you you could look at one of three players, quite honestly Keekly, uh, Wagner, um, Thomas Davis, as far as how he attacks the ball carrier. Davis is another one of those guys that. When he hits you, you go down, you know. And so I think that's something Foster has. He could pull from so many guys, man. And, and the fact that he's not your typical 6'4", 245-pound backer, he's ideally what you want to play Mike backer. And I think he can even play all three spots if you want
0: him to. He is Emory Hunt, the czar of the playbook over at Football Game Plan. And, again, if, if you're not following him already, I don't know what you're doing. He's a fantastic draft mind. He's played the game before and uh even if you disagree with some of his opinions uh he's uh he's a fantastic guy and i just this is going to be my last question as we this might be a little preview because when, when things get boring around you know after the draft we're settling down we might have a we might have a little wets <laughs> discussion just to get a little more on the level here but did i did i see correctly and it might have been t- a couple of months ago now emery that you did declare pj walker is the best quarterback in philadelphia
4: I did. I said Philly has two of the best quarterbacks and they play right down the street from each other. You have Philip Walker out of Temple and you have Alec Torgerson out of Penn. And, and both guys just are tremendous throwing the football. And for P.J. Walker or Philip Walker, for him, I, I think a lot of people may just instantly focus on one thing that they'll utilize to discredit him. It would be either the height or completion percentage. What they will lose in, in, in that assessment is the fact that this is a guy that made Temple football Relevant. Won a championship. They hadn't won a conference championship since 1937, I believe. He brought them to two championship games. One won this past season as a senior. All-time leading passer in, in Temple history. Touchdowns, yards, um, victories which matter. Got them to a bowl game. Won a bowl game before and and quite honestly, if it wasn't for four drop touchdown passes against Notre Dame, Teron, yeah. we were at that game, yeah. they knock off Notre Dame and go into the top ten. So He has put together an impressive body of work, and (laughs) instead of people trying to force themselves into liking Davis Webb or try to force themselves into thinking Brad Kaya is going to be good because he fills out his jersey and his mom is Felicia, how about you look (laughs) at a guy that has some some good tape? And it's funny because when you go to a game, I've been to maybe seven Temple games over the last three seasons. So I've seen these guys get significantly better each and every year. So we saw that that 2015 season coming, where they're going to probably be a really good top ten team. And Phillip Walker kept them in a lot of games, and I think he's going to be. He plays the game like how you see a guy like a Tyrod Taylor or even a Russell Wilson plays. Just under control, um, does a good job in attacking deep down the field. His intermediate game is excellent. And he sees the field really well. So I think he's a very underrated passer. And if you want to judge about a pro day, his pro day was excellent. It was well attended by NFL scouts. And he had a lot of interest after that pro day. People pull him to the side, talking to him, getting information. So he's a true sleeper in his class. And Torgerson, just an outstanding passer. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the Ivy League football uh, that they put out there on, on, on the field. And Torgerson, last year was Dalen Williams out of Dartmouth. And Torgerson was one that caught my attention when I was doing some scouting uh, of Dalen Williams. So like man, this guy's arm is almost like he's playing in the arena football field as opposed to a, a wide field because he can really shrink space with this velocity. And he again put Pin on his back. And we're gonna be talking about their receiver next year, Justin Watson, who yeah. I think is a better prospect than uh Cooper Cup. Oh and, yeah. and as far as being an NFL uh uh prospect he's six three two fifteen and, and is a former high school track star. He caught a lot of those lasers and took him to the house. So Torgeson can really throw the ball. Walker can throw the ball. It was some great football being played in Philadelphia.
0: Absolutely. And especially, you know, you mentioned you mentioned some of the top end guys. I don't know why P.J. Walker wouldn't be getting looks over, I don't know, C.J. Beathard, who freaking, you know, who's, who again was like, had uh, uh, I think Ian Rappaport had even said that he's going to go higher than expected. And I'm, I'm like, guys, yeah. I've watched two years of Iowa football. That guy is not an NFL quarterback.
3: And the thing that amazes <laughs> me, and we, Emma, we were at the East-West Shrine Week and even at the Senior Bowl, for that matter, and I don't really recall seeing anybody head and shoulders better than than Philip mm-hmm. Walker, you know, especially at Shrine Week. So the idea that this guy wasn't at one of these games in which he could showcase his talent—it's pretty crazy. It's 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 dumb, and, and I mean, it's unfortunate, but I, I hope he does get an opportunity to show what he could do, you know, on the field. And, and the reason why I laughed when you were talking about P.J. Walker. And that Notre Dame game, we we almost uh, witnessed a, a a murder during that game oh my. When, that, when that receiver almost got killed on the sideline. I still think of that and just crack up, man. That was too funny. He's like this this
4: receiver almost got. I've never seen someone in the history of football nearly get the back of his numbers knocked off his jersey. I mean, unfortunate, but but you're right, man. We, we were at the East West Shrine Game and. And Torgeson was far and above the best quarterback yeah. all along there. The West team literally had us four at quarterback, and it was frustrating for the receivers. Mm-hmm. And you could tell they were frustrated because oh, they had really good receivers. They had Gabe Marks, they had Trey Griffey, oh, um, Correll Hamilton out of Sanford. Those guys, you know, and people probably came away not impressed with the receivers because of how terrible the quarterback play was. Oh, I yeah. mean, West Hunt is getting pub as if he's, you know, a prospect when he was legit the worst quarterback out there. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, to not be able to be at the East West Shrine game or even the NFL PA game was mind blowing Because you think those – I remember you guys probably – John, you probably remember this as well. Ben, you're a neophyte. You know, you're a young guy. <laughs> so you probably remember the blue-gray game on Christmas oh, Day.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, absolutely.
4: So, I mean, and those are for the, the players that whose teams didn't get to bowl games. But now, since everybody goes to a bowl game, there's no need for the blue green game. So um, that's where that's where you saw guys like a Brandon Stokely get out there uh, and compete. So you would think all star games used to be a culmination of a guy's college career. And for a guy that's as well decorated as far as victories, breaking records, has a team relevant that hadn't been relevant relevant before. We saw Charlie Batch get to the Hula Bowl from Eastern Michigan when he had those guys in a bowl game. So. I was just really shocked that this guy did not get in, despite putting together an impressive college career.
0: Yeah, and especially in this class, that's a, the a one thing I will 100% agree on. But, but I mean, Emery, come on, man. If you're going to tell me that either one of those guys are, are better than, than Carson Wentz, well, that's what that's what we're going to have a, a debate about man. <laughs> later on in this offseason when we get bored. We're going to have fighting words, sir, but I look forward to it. And we love you dearly. Emery Hunt, Uh, once again from uh, Football Game Plan, thanks so much for joining us right here on BGN Radio, pal.
4: Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. On. And yes, we can talk about wins. <laughs>
0: no. oh, oh, we're going to talk, all right. Uh, we're <laughs> going to we're going to we're, we're yeah. going to try and extend. Ninja see Jesus. what hap- What's going to happen is we're going <laughs> to we're going to take all of Philadelphia and we're going to take Draft Twitter and we're going to try and have this olive branch conversation about it so we can get into the middle. That's all I want, Emory. That's all I want.
4: Well, well here, here's the thing, John. And, and, and you know, I want to I don't want to give too much of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I think people really saw people saw the ranking I had of wins. And missed the entire video where I explained exactly what happened in his rookie year. So I, I, people are, are funny. And if you want to use anything for, you know, content or fodder, just look at those comments underneath the video. <laughs> I mean, they were outrageous.
0: Oh yeah, well, so especially for YouTube alone. I'm I'm sure it's. Uh, I mean, those those have uh, outrageous comments already, and then you then you stir up the hive, and it's probably ridiculous. So, uh, we'll uh, yeah, we'll take some screenshots. Maybe that'll be a part of the whole blog post and all that good stuff. Um, uh, we appreciate it. But in uh, Godspeed, we'll have uh, you're going to be in town. So actually, you know what, Emery might be in studio, which is going to be exciting. That way, we don't have to deal with the awful phone back and forth that we just we just had. We had some mishaps there. So, Emery, we look forward to it, bud, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, day. man. So yeah, there's a lot of different things that can, and that's why I love bringing Emory on, man, because he, you know, we we are tired of of talking about the same guys that come in and out of this thing here. And uh, yeah, Ben, I want I, let's let's touch back on on Ruben Foster for a second because we really didn't get too deep into that when we started the show. But uh, you know, I, I I saw a lot of people reacting to, oh my gosh, you cannot take him at 14 now with with a lot of this that's happening there, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blinking, especially because I still think he's going to be the best available player that's around there.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I, I mean, I have him as my number two player in the class, and, and I'm not really worried about the diluted drug sample. I'm a little bit more worried about his shoulder, but I'm not a doctor, so I can't really offer any insight on that. But if you're looking purely at tape, I mean, Emery touched on it. This He does everything everything at the linebacker position. He defends the run. He's an intimidator over the middle of the field. And he's got this, I mean, he's a freakish athlete who can blitz. And uh, I remember specifically in the Tennessee game, they were rushing him off the edge. And at 220 pounds, he was pushing those tackles back and creating pressure on the quarterback. I mean, he is a freakish, freakish athlete. And you can, you can have a middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker. And... And I think there's a legitimate argument to be had about, oh, you know, how, or how are you going to bring him into Philadelphia when the Eagles didn't really play with three linebackers all that often? Look, if you can have Hicks, Bradham and Foster on the field at the same time, those are three guys that you can play against three receiver sets because of how good all three of them are in coverage. And when you have that advantage on deep, uh, you know, in, the, in your front seven, it's very similar to what Carolina was doing for a while with Keekley Uh, Thomas Davis and and, uh, Shaq Thompson Mm -hmm. because they can play with their seven man front so often that they can cover, they can cover with their linebackers and then they're constantly in mode to be able to defend against the run. It just, it just, it's kind of like the reverse of, of the, the way the league has been going into going, you know, having your nickel corner being basically a starter, but like having this great, great run defense all the time because of what your linebackers can also do in coverage. Um, and like while linebacker isn't obviously a huge need for the team, I mean, he Ruben Foster just so damn good at football. And Bradham is not gonna be here forever. I think Bradham's going into the last year of his deal anyway. So I mean that gives you security at the linebacker position once Bradham's out of, you know, once Bradham's at the end of his deal. So it, it I I would love it. I would I would be ecstatic to have Ruben Foster in Philadelphia if people are gonna get really upset about, you know, him potentially failing a drug test. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. I and mean, we've seen that kind of Pe- that's kind of screwed other people over before in terms of like getting too low on guys and then missing guys because of you know they failing drug tests or whatever um you know if he can stay in the league that's i mean it's just one thing and then on top of that it's more i'm more concerned about his shoulder than and uh the drug test he yeah. just i mean yeah he's exactly. just a damn good player he's a football player <laughs> <laughs> which is which
0: i think is hilarious that people react it like well, he's obviously off the Eagles list and then like everybody's having the you know, the Joe Mixon debate for like the millionth yeah. time. It's like, well, that's you have to draft thing. him.
2: <laughs> that, that's the other thing. And I you know, I don't I don't want to get too much into politics, which is a shocking thing for me to say I know. Yeah, that's crazy but talk. It's it's incredible. It's incredible how like the the issues that like Joe Mixon has and the issues that like Dorial Green Beckham had, like, seem to like raise their like mythos around like what kind of player they are but if you know god forbid you fail a drug test or you're off my board it's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous the way people talk about this stuff hit a woman Um, don't smoke pot that's that's how it's done yeah Yeah. don't you dare smoke pot it's like (laughs) come on man just come on with that yeah Um, yeah absolutely
0: yeah it's it's it, it, it kind of feels that way a lot of the time so it's yeah it's it's kind of a weird thing that's going on here but uh yeah, there. I mean, I just got to say, I don't know. I'm just ready. I'm just ready, Teron. Like, I just don't. I'm. I'm done. I'm done talking about the the millions and millions of other players. I, I just want to. I want to see it now. Like, I'm already in the mode of like, I I know the guys that are in my head, even if they're not Eagles. I want to see them play. I desperately want to see who they're gonna pick and and where they're gonna go. I guess it's what it is. It's it's just everybody's anxious because 14 really can go seven different ways now.
3: Yeah, I think that's something that it, it's intriguing. There's been a lot of buildup coming up to this point. You know, we're just about a week away. So, I mean, it, there's buzz. It's here in the city. So that just makes it even more exciting. And then, like you mentioned, there's so much uncertainty. And we were talking about this in the media house earlier today. I mean, last year, you know, once you had that trade, you knew, okay, it's Carson Wentz. You, know, yeah, you knew what was going to happen. Everybody was able to type up their articles, be done, ready to go. But this year, you know, it's a little bit different. It could be O.J. Howard, it could be Ruben Foster, it could be John Ross, Mike Williams, Gary and Conley, any other guy. Yeah. It could they could trade up. You yeah. know, there's so many different things that could happen. So I think that's that's what it is. It's like everybody has a a toy that they truly don't know what that toy is. You know, and different people want different things. You know, some want Cabbage Patch Kids, the other want other people want transformers there you go it's just we, we don't know how it's going to work and that's the intrigue and the excitement and everybody's ready to open up that present
0: and to your answer to your question I'll have both uh by the way but the, can I just say though when we are at the media house i, I and i'm obviously going to keep everybody's name out of it but you wouldn't believe the t- like it just drives me insane you wouldn't ben you would not believe the type of draft takes that go on in that place when everybody's waiting for the press conference when everybody's Kind of sitting there waiting for these guys to talk, and then you just hear all all sorts—the hottest take of takes. Like I thought Twitter was bad. The guys that cover the team, with the exception of a few guys, obviously I'm not mentioning Toronto. But like I had a couple of conversations today. I just want to shove my head into a toilet, uh, honestly. Like, <laughs> you, you like notice, you Christian notice. McCaffrey is just a gadget player. Uh, just the, the, all this other random stuff, and I was like, oh my god, where we, we do cover football for a living, right? I mean, I know I'm not an expert here. But did, jesus
3: did you notice i didn't talk too much
0: no no this toronto <laughs> dude toronto told me a secret just just keep your head down and don't say anything
2: because uh you know it, i don't know i just it's feel the like barbershop. they would steal your ID or something it's the barbershop thing it's like <laughs> you just go in the barbershop they're going to talk all about how they could take lebron on one on one and i'm just going to sit there and <laughs> get my haircut i'm not going to say anything about them it's like it's sometimes these media guys they just go off on Oh my god. Yeah. It's the crazy. Christian McCaffrey thing. I'm gonna, I'm never going to not be upset about how people just think he's a gadget player or people <laughs> think he should be a receiver. Um what? Yeah, is it's it, or just, you know, Lattimore doesn't do it for me.
0: Like stuff like that, I'm just like what about it doesn't do it for you? Yeah, there's, like, there's no what? explanation yeah, Where after does that? that
2: come from?
0: It's <laughs> 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 just the same stuff that we were talking about with Emery. It just drives us nuts. We want the draft to get, get here. But yeah. what is great is that we get to talk to a lot of prospects and and I got to tell you Teron has nailed this offseason, man. I mean, all these different guys that we get to talk to, uh, and Teron and Ben were able to sit down with Traven uh, Darrell, wide receiver from LSU, fantastic kid. And again, it's just, I I look at his tape, and granted, I've only looked at a handful of games here and a handful of highlight stuff. I just look at, it's really hard to judge these guys in, the, in this LSU offense, especially from this last year, where it is just Fournette that, that is going there. The passing game really only opens up through play action. There's a lot of bubble screens. There's a lot of you know, quick screens that are just out there, and that's pretty much how they use their wide receivers. So it's always interesting to find a little bit more about these guys, and Teron and Ben sat down with them uh, earlier this evening. All right, so we got one
3: of the sleepers in this draft class. This, this is Traven Durall from LSU, and I tell you – a lot of these LSU receivers, you know, they don't really get as much of an opportunity to shine because of some of the things that go on in in, in the offense. But uh, they could play. You, you saw it in the past with Jarvis Landry and and Odell Beckham Jr. Traven, how's everything going for you today?
5: Uh, everything's great, man. Uh, just having a having a good day and done my workouts this morning. You know, and I'm just chilling with the fam.
3: That's what's up. So well, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was just the offense itself. At the combine, I, I talked to Malachi Dupree about this, and, and he had an interesting uh-huh. take. So when you look at just guys with your ability and the opportunities that, that you got, I mean, how were you able to develop the patience, you know, and not try to do too much when you did finally get an opportunity to touch the football?
5: Uh, I mean, you know, it was out of my control. You know, football is a team sport. You know, I couldn't really control when I got the ball. You know, all I had to do was focus on doing my job every play. You know, going to that school, you know, it's a, a running school primarily, you know, so that's something you come in already knowing. You know, so that's something that you know from day one. So developing the patience, I mean, that's kind of something that's, that's on yourself. You know, you kind of have to do that on your own, but I'm not a selfish guy. So whatever it takes to win, that's that's what I would do, whether it's blocking blocking, you know, getting open or catching the pass, you know, whatever it takes. And you know, I was all about winning, regardless of how we won, how it looked, you know, whether I touched the ball once or twice. My main focus was doing my job on every play and helping our team win. You know, it's interesting.
3: I mentioned Juice Landry uh, as well as Odell. And these are obviously guys that, you, you know, in addition to guys like Russell Shepard and, and Ruben Randall before them, these are guys that kind of, you know, blazed the trail for, for you and, and Malachi. What's some of the things that you've gotten to – uh talk to them about and some of the feedback you got from
5: them? Uh, You know, just what to expect, you know, kind of what to expect and how to handle things. You know, I talked to Jarvis, you know, a good bit, you know, and he was telling me, you know, what it's like to be in the league. And You know, it's really no difference than college except, you know, you got a bunch of free time, you know, the level of play, it goes up. So you have to rise up, you know, your level of play. You know, that's kind of like how when you left high school to go to college, that's kind of the, the way he, explain it to me and how you know this this is a job this is this is nothing like college you can get cut at any point in time so you need to take this you know very serious you know because any given play any given moment you you know you can lose your job unlike in college you know you you may get benched they won't kick you off the team because you got a four-year scholarship but this is this is completely different this is a business
2: and traven before you were talking about you know the how unique it is playing in the LSU offense as a wide receiver and how you were able to kind of deal with that but you know what about the LSU offense do you think might have helped your game or maybe the uh the LSU uh, staff that helped your game
5: um you know we kind of ran like a pro style offense you know when I went to the senior bowl and the things that we were doing on the Cleveland Browns uh, offense some of the similar things we were doing at LSU so that helped me out in that week so I'm Going forward, I'm pretty sure I, I'll be able to adjust to NFL-style playbook faster than other guys who came from, you know, these different types of offenses, you know, that, you know, that did things a lot differently than how we did it. So that's something that, that helped me out a lot, you know, being that we ran, you know, some, some of the stuff that, you know, the NFL teams ran.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and going forward and, and during this draft process and, and beyond, I mean, is there something specifically that you think you can improve about your game? Uh, my main focus is
5: to get better at everything. You know, you can never just be content with anything. You know, I want to get better at everything. I want to get faster. I want to get stronger. I want to get, you know, more explosive. I want to be able to make those contested catches at any given time. I want to be able to get open a lot more easier than I do now. You know, I want to work on everything. You know, it's not one part of my game. That I wanna focus on because I wanna be a complete receiver where I can do it all, where I won't have to get off the field because I can't do this or because this part of my game isn't the strongest. I wanna work on everything. So I, I work on everything, whether it's you know coming out the top of the route, you know, making the contested catches, having, you know, guys, you know, bump me while I'm catching balls or, you know, you know, making the, the catch as hard as possible. That way when I get in the game, you know, things will be easier. Yeah,
3: and one of the things, well, among other things, you know, I like your route running. I like the yak ability that you bring to the table. So that being said, who are some of the guys for those who may not have have seen you play as much and and have not really you know gotten the opportunity to see what you could do? In order to give someone a snapshot or, or an idea of what type of game you bring to the table, who in the, in the league now would you say just has a similar style of play to yours?
5: Um. Um, I've heard a couple people, you know, say I kind of remind him of DeAndre Hopkins a little, you know. But as far as uh who I think I play like, um, that's pretty tough because uh, I don't really, you know, I don't really say I play like anyone. But when I've heard that comparison, you know, I kind of started to watch DeAndre Hopkins a little more and the things he did. So I would say that I kind of, you know, if you was looking at me and say I look like someone, I would say DeAndre
3: Hopkins. That's not a bad comparison at all. He's one of the top receivers in the league, so that's a a good look. As far as just this whole process, uh, I know the Eagles have shown some interest in you. You mentioned your ability to uh, transfer or transition into an NFL style offense, the West Coast offense. I mean, that's something that, you know, typically takes a receiver a year or two to adjust to. What's some of the positive feedback that you got from the Eagles personnel folks that you met with?
5: Um I, I met with uh someone at the at the senior bowl and then I also met with someone at the um at the uh at the combine. And, you know, they they kinda they like how, you know, I, I know offenses and, you know, I can recognize defenses and how, you know, I kinda I have a good football mind. So that's something that, you know, they said they liked about me and they liked how, you know, I was able to explain, you know, the things we did on offense without you know having to say, "Oh I didn't know what this person was doing or oh, I didn't know what that person was doing, you know, I spent a a good bit of time at lSU and I you know, in my time, I learned just about every position on the offense, you know skill wise, and you know being able to display that I could do that impressed them a lot.
3: last question here and and you know Jalen Mills, obviously a former teammate, you guys had to go against each other. In one-on-ones and one on ones and during practice at LSU, what are some of the things that you remember from your your bouts with uh, with Jalen? Uh
5: he's he's a he's a winner, you know. He he's a he's a he's a gamer, you know. He doesn't he doesn't like to lose, you know. He always rises up to his competition. So you know, no matter what, if I get him one route, you know, he he wasn't satisfied with giving me the next the next time you know he wanted to give me the next 3 4 times and that, that's what i love about him when people talk about him that's what i say he's a gamer he's never going to just let you beat him no matter who you are he always steps up and tries to make a play because that's, that's who he is. You know, he, he came to LSU and, and started as a true freshman and from then on was making plays because he's a gamer. He always steps his game up no matter who he's playing. doesn't matter if he was going against a walk-on or against a scholarship guy or when Odell was there, if he was going against him or going against Jarvis. When he was a true freshman, he was always on his game. You know, you was never going to catch him off his game because he's a gamer. He He loves competition.
3: There you have it. Traven Durall. Traven, I appreciate you coming on. Definitely wish you the best in your your future endeavors, you know whether it's here in Philadelphia or wherever, man. Thanks a lot for coming on.
0: Thanks for having me. And see it's just it's hard not to like that kid after hearing, hearing that back and forth, guys. Excellent job. And uh like we said, uh we w- wish nothing but Traven the best and we hope he ends up in a great spot. Let's get to a few questions and wrap this thing up, boys. And uh just just before we get into that, I've, I can't believe I didn't say this in the intro, but The NFL draft party is happening, and guess what? Everybody can come. That is not a a misspoken thing. Every single one of you can come hang out. It is in the public. It is free. Bud Light is rolling out the red carpet, and they said, you know what? You don't need tickets to the event. Everyone can just show up at the Bud Light Tavern on the parkway, With us, there, broadcasting live at 7.45 p.m. And we'll probably go until, I would say, the Cowboys pick or maybe we're just having too much fun and they have a ton of beer there and we don't want to stop. But we will be there broadcasting and so will you. So don't worry about anything. And we'll also be giving away two VIP tickets for day two. Uh, Excuse me. To go into the auditorium, (laughs) and I just had a gas bubble that stuck in there. I was so excited. Yeah, I I, I was (laughs) thinking about beer, and I was like, "Oh, let me chug, uh, let me chug some air in there." But day two, we'll be giving away VIP tickets to actually go into the auditorium and go into the big theater. Um, And I I can't remember. Oh yeah, Roger still comes out for day two, so you can get your booze on when Roger goes to the stage, and uh, and we will be giving those away. Plus, the WIP booth is going to be right next to us, so you can hang out with Ike Reese and. I think Jamal Jackson's going to be down there. Our good friend Glenn Macnow is going to hang out. So it's going to be a ton of fun, and we're so excited to kind of have that off of our plate. And plus, if you're there all three days, you can hang out in that tavern, and you can come say hi to us over at Radio Row. So uh, that is happening. There will be an article, hopefully, by the time that you're listening to this, that is out explaining all that stuff, and we are very happy about that. One of those gentlemen that I know is definitely coming is our good friend Mr. Matt Gumbrecht, and Ben, what would be the biggest surprise for you outside of a QB? Obviously, for the Eagles at fourteen, uh, Evan Ingram. <laughs>
2: I Yeah, know. Now, yeah. I guess that would uh, be I'm a just little bit surprise. Throw surprising. out a name. I, I'm going to say Evan Ingram. I think that that's a guy that it's crazy how little um, you know. You know, Bleeding Green Nation's own Matt Daring is a huge fan of him. Ginormous. and. i'm on i'm on board with matt because i don't understand why more people aren't talking about this guy i mean he's six three he's 235 pounds he ran like four four three at that size you know he's basically a receiver in a tight ends body and he's a you know he's a matchup nightmare and it's i think it's crazy people don't talk about him more i think he's a hell of a good player
0: uh ryan Ramchek would be my surprise pick for the eagles not saying that that's going to happen i would be surprised if that happened to run
3: yeah i would be surprised if they go offensive line um I would have to say, yeah, Ramchek, or even, you know, Forrest Lamp, you know. uh, Mm
2: -hmm. I love Lamp. (laughs) Yeah. I say that that unironically, too. I think he's an awesome, awesome player.
0: Yeah.
3: I'll say this, um, and it's obviously not the whole part of the evaluation, but I saw his lunch truly get taken at the Senior Bowl to the point where (laughs) he went home. So I would be surprised if that was the pick. You know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I've watched some of the film, especially against Alabama. That was a really good game. But I know a local kid named Tano Passagnol had his way with them, and I will leave it oh, at yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And I would be
0: surprised if he was the pick. Uh, we move, Well, moving right along, who do you expect the Eagles to draft at tackle, speaking of that? Uh, and do you think there'll be one draft at all? I think Teron and I would have the same – the same answer for that, and look out for little Cuz there with Julian Davenport, who's been little on the Kezo. shows. And uh, I don't know. Do you think they take a tackle at all, Ben, in this draft?
2: Uh, I think they should. I, I think that you know, with Jason Peters aging and. You never kind of know what the Lane Johnson PED situation will be in the future. Uh, getting some security at the position would never be a bad thing. I mean, they've r- really locked up their interior offensive line, but uh, Julian Davenport, Will Holden, uh, Avery Genesee, I think there's a lot of like really solid day, you know, late day two, early day three type of players that they could add to this position group. Yeah, yeah I,
3: cool. I think you need to throw in Roderick Johnson, and there's oh, a yeah. guy out of Florida, Atlantic, Florida, Florida International, Florida Atlantic, Deja Joseph, who's a really big oh, yeah, physical right. specimen that I think could come in and be someone that they could mold into a good player. Storm,
0: um, oh, what is oh it? Storm Norton, Storm yes. Norton out I've, of Toledo. Can I just say one. that's a great name? Uh, yeah, it is the best like offensive lineman name ever, right? Storm. I want to <laughs> say Storm and Norman basically, but that's a. It's it's yeah I I love that. And also uh that's one thing we forgot to mention at the top of the show. Joe Douglas did say that he thought that this offensive line uh class was was a little a little deeper than than people were might have been giving the credit for leading up to this point. So that'll be kind of interesting. I I wouldn't be surprised if they take one uh uh out of there. Uh there's a lot of mixing questions uh or th- this is this I did think was was an interesting one. And I I don't think for for me I'd be able to kind of I, I don't know how I would feel, but let's leave it up to you, Ben. if the Eagles do draft mix and how does that affect your your enjoyment of Eagles games, and would it take you kind of completely out of tune?
2: Ah uh, I mean, I don't know i i went I went through this issue with Do Green Beckham last year, and it, it's just like frustrating as a fan to see the team like put together a bunch of not so great characters and ignore some stuff you know, for the sake of putting talent on the team and Obviously, like football is a business, and you want to get the best player on your team. and And to a certain extent, I kind of understand that. But it, I mean, it's frustrating, um, especially, especially since I mean, like, I don't even think that Joe Mixon's that good of a, I mean, that great of a player. I don't think he's a good player. Uh, I don't think he's that great of a player. Um, so it, it's just going to be a little bit. I mean, it, it, like. It's going to be one thing. Like, if he, if he, I mean, if he comes, if they draft him early or like, you know, early in the second round or whatever, and then he comes in and he ends up just like not working out, then they just look like complete assholes. And, and yeah. then it just, and then it yeah. gets worse for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we all kind of feel semi similar there. Um, I, I don't know. I would, I'd have to say, I will about say this. I do
2: want to say, I, I want to say something, though, because, because I, I come off as being pretty dogmatic about these issues. Um, And I think it's really important to say, like, in the Joe Mixon conversation and just like this general conversation in general about, like, these types of issues in the NFL, um, you know, these guys, these guys are young and they do horrible, stupid shit and and they people should pay the consequences for doing horrible, stupid shit. But I will say that, you know, football is is a sort of social infrastructure with for these guys. And and like a guy like Joe Mixon, he grew up playing football. He, you know, played a football in high school. He played football in college. Like that's what's there for him. And Um, if you take that away from him, you're not you're it doesn't really help anyone. Like it's it's not going to undo the past. It's not going to it's not gonna guarantee something great happens to him in the future. If anything, it takes away any kind of social structure for him. Now, there should be some kind of I think there should be some kind of consequence in terms of like he should fall in the draft, or he, you know, I I mean I don't I don't know, but the NFL isn't the law, and unfortunately the law doesn't enforce the laws well enough, especially in when it comes to the conversation about, you know, domestic violence and, and other kinds of violence, especially against women. Um, but, you know, to just take football away from them doesn't really help anyone. Uh, yeah. So I will say that. Yeah, two, um,
3: two things for me, and, and I could agree to that because I even still to this day, and this, you know, it's it's been, what, 16 years since I've been in any type of uh, football program. But that regimented schedule and going through that, you know, for such a long period of time, that's your time management. You know, as as a football player, you know, okay, I got to get up early and we have morning workouts, then we have breakfast, and then I have class, and then I have weight room, or then I have film study, then I have practice, and then, you know, I'm going to study. There's a, a, a routine. And the thing that's so funny is you could ask any football player, And they'll tell you a schedule that's almost identical to what I just rattled off. So I I even to this day, man, like I still have to either mentally or literally write it down. You know, okay, this is what I want to do throughout the day and and, and piece it out. Otherwise, I'm not going to be successful. So it's funny you mentioned that. and, And it's so true. Second point. As you mentioned, these guys are kids. They do things as kids before they grow up now. Let me be clear, I'm not saying what Mixon did is okay. no, I'm not saying that, but uh, and I'm not saying some of the things that Dalvin Cook did are okay, mm. but I tell you something interesting. I heard Corey Simon this morning talking about Dalvin Cook, and he actually said that Dalvin Cook is someone that you would want in your community, and he highlighted how you know he felt cook has has grown up now obviously, Simon is a fellow Florida State guy, and I mean you know you could you could take his words for for what they're worth, but I mean, guys grow up and you become different. You know, I, I know I'm a good example. I wasn't always a very social person. You know, <laughs> people in high school would tell you, man, Tyron didn't talk to anybody. I'd stay to myself and mind my own business, you know, even in college. Unless you were dealing with football, I didn't really have much to do with you. You know, people change. I mean, hear me now, you would never think that. But that's just how how it works, man. People change and, and I don't think that what any of these guys have done should, should be held against them for the rest of their lives, you know. And I think there's good examples, you know, how we talked about Michael Vick today. Mm-hmm. You, see, you see Ray Rice, you know, going out and championing, you know, more awareness and, and finding ways to, you know, release your anger in a different manner than, than striking a woman. So you could take a bad thing and turn it around, and, and some of these guys could be like the Phoenix, you know, rise from the ashes.
0: Yeah, and it's just—I mean, I don't know. I, I think I've said my piece a million times about about all this stuff, and I don't want to bore you guys with it. But uh, yeah, I, I think it would just—it ta- would take me a long time to come around and be like, "All right," he would have to show me that he's matured, and, you know, doing, you know, for, feeling remorse, going through those different steps, creating some of that stuff here, because I, I don't know, I, I don't know how. He can change over over that quickly over two year, two and a half years, three years, whatever. It's kind of been there, so I don't know. I it, it would be uh, it would be hard for me. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, I think last question. will will uh, go out here. I, I mean, it's specifically for Ben, but we'll leave it o- open to to everybody here. What is your guys' opinion? Conley versus Lattimore, and some say Lattimore's better. Some say Conley is better. Uh, I think the league is 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 starting to say Conley is is where they're at here, but. How do you feel about the difference between those two to run
3: i don't know who i was talking to earlier but i said it to somebody and i slipped you know i didn't no no, no it was on a radio show so there's an excuse but you know <laughs> everybody forgets that two years ago before eli apple w- was drafted it was apple and conley you know there was a point in time where Marshawn Lattimore was on the bench behind conley i'm not saying that that i like conley better but you know i think that's something you have to think about i think when healthy Lattimore is is the better player. He's just you know more physically uh, suited to, to play at the next level. But I mean, it, it's it's a close matchup. Neither one of them better than Sidney Jones.
0: <laughs> what, uh, by the way, real quick, where do you think Sidney goes? Because there's a lot of people asking that. I
3: talked about it with John Marks yesterday, and, and one of the things that, that you know could happen, and, and a team needs to do this, whether it be the Eagles or someone else. If you find someone that, that needs to move up. You know, for a quarterback or for whoever, trade back, manufacture a second-round second, second round pick, and use it on Sidney Jones. I would take him in the second round. I don't know about high, like 43, but I would take him in the second round for sure.
2: Ben, second round for Sidney Jones, j Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially a lot of reports are saying that he might be able to uh, even play later in his first season. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, please. Get him on my football team, please.
0: I will say... I will say yes as long as the Eagles have made two selections first. I'm not. <laughs> if they want to jump back into the second round with two guys under the belt, I'm all about it. I'm still a little nervous about spending that and then just being like, okay, you have a corner, and then you show up in September It's like, well, he's not going to be ready until November. Actually, January. Right, Actually, he's out for fair. the season. Uh, well,
3: the Eagles aren't, aren't going to be in the Super Bowl this year. Well, it's true, You know too. what I mean? All right. yeah, yeah, I and and, that and that Howie has talked about long term. So, But, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. You want to hedge your risk, you know, and and, and but yeah, not can use still your do that. resources. So it yeah. makes sense.
0: We can still do that in the later rounds, too. Uh, ben, what's your thoughts on Conley versus Lattimore?
2: I think that I have. I would say Lattimore is, is the better player overall. I think they're both really, really outstanding pure coverage guys. Um, but Conley cannot tackle. <laughs> like he <laughs> he does not. He do, he doesn't want to tackle. He doesn't want to take on blocks. And like usually, I, I I don't really worry that much about tackling with cornerbacks because you want them to be coverage guys first. But it got to a point where I mean, teams were running at his side. They were doing toss plays to his side because they knew that their receivers could just take him out. Of the play on the on the uh, outside, and that's that's kind of a worry. Um, so, I mean, with this cornerback class, it was really a lot of nitpicking, especially at the top. Oh, so, yeah. I would I, I would end up I ended up having Lattimore over over Conley uh, just because of the tackling thing.
0: Let me just let me just say this straight: now that we're coming around full circle here, and the draft process is finally getting to its end, and the, everybody's wrapping up their visits here, Lattimore number one never changed. Okay, that's how it should be. Leonard yeah. Fournette, number one running back, should not have changed. Those are my. T- that's, that's what I'm going to tell you. So I told you back in January. It's what I told you back in October. It's what I'm telling you right now uh, the draft
2: is a circle it's a circle <laughs> I'm, it's I'm sticking with it they, you, you get you get a player and then you get really bored of that player and you pick him apart and then you decide he's bad and then <laughs> and then you just find like a like seven other players that that are better than that player in your mind for like a week and then that like the week before your, the draft everyone's like oh wait no no it was Marshawn Lattimore all along or like <laughs> oh no it was like it was Cam Robinson all along it's like all right like we knew this back in you know October but <laughs> yeah. you had to you had to bring up up you know 18 other guys and it's it's absurd but like if, people want to talk about like Quincy Wilson being better than Marshawn Latimer oh like, what God. the yeah. hell are He's, you talking
0: about come on now let's yeah then we're just getting a ridiculous
2: territory yeah I don't know I don't know where these people are coming from
0: <laughs> well folks we hope uh, you enjoyed the 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 extended version and uh, we'll probably again do do a little more short ones like uh, leading up to it might might do some live stuff as well it's going to be a really fun week again come join us at the draft itself if you can't make it down if you don't want to deal with the traffic or you're not flying into Philadelphia we will be broadcasting live on Facebook and also our Mixler.com page and we will tweet and blog post and do all that stuff and we thank you so much for listening to episode number 234 of BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com